Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Cars, a copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 119, regarding a series of thefts in the jet room at the Spiny Texas Ranch. Tonight's true crime story comes from Arizona, and at the same time comes confirmation of a new contract, placed by the largest county in Arizona, Maricopa County. Specifying that for another year, all sheriff's cars, all emergency cars operated by the county, are to be powered exclusively with Rio Grande cracked gasoline. This is a striking endorsement of the superiority of Rio Grande. In other cities, such as Los Angeles, Oakland, Berkeley, they also specify Rio Grande cracked for all police cars because it operates so efficiently in city traffic conditions. It gives quicker stopping, faster acceleration, and creates greater power and speed than any other gasoline these cities can buy. But road conditions are entirely different in Maricopa County, Arizona, where sheriff's cars speed over an area of 9,000 square miles in pursuit of criminals and on official business, traveling mountainous roads, over scorching deserts where temperatures often reach 130 degrees. Under these fine conditions, Rio Grande cracked gasoline shows its superiority. The patented, exclusive Rio Grande cracking process creates a gasoline with definite advantages over other brands. A gasoline which is more economical and more efficient than any other. A statement which is proved by the fact that more police and emergency cars specify Rio Grande cracked gasoline than any other brand. And now it is our great pleasure to present former Captain M. Joe Murphy, now Detective Sergeant in charge of the Bronco squad of the Phoenix, Arizona Police Department, and hero of the night's broadcast. Sergeant Murphy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. G.C.M. Johnson, my superior, is prevented by his official duties from appearing on tonight's broadcast. So he has requested me to pinch up for him. It places me in a rather peculiar position, inasmuch as the story you're about to hear is one that I solved myself. There is nothing bloody or exciting about this case. No guns are fired and no lives are threatened. But then, a police officer's life is not all violent. Sometimes he is encountering cases which are downright amusing. And of all the cases on which I have worked during my 28 years as an officer, this story of the missing $100 nightgown, here, missing $100 nightgown here, it's amusing to me. I hope you will find it just as funny. One day, early in the spring of 1913, Chief of Police A.J. Moore of Phoenix calls his eighth detective, Joe Murphy, into his office. Sit down, Joe. Uh, all right, sir. What's up, Chief? Well, I got a job for you, Joe. I just up at the Spiny Texas Ranch in Yellow Park, aren't you? I'm losing a lot of stuff from their room. I want you to go up there and get your feet. You'll be registered as a guest. As a guest? Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. I get to mix with all those millionaires up there. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, no, 
No, I'm a copper, not a dude. Well, we'll get along all right. Oh, I don't see how. Well, you're going just the same. Now get it home and get your bag packed and come back here in a couple of hours. I'll have your ticket ready for you. Huh? Oh, uh, by the way, I forgot something important. Uh, going to pay you for this. Oh, well, that's good to know. How much? Ten dollars a day and all expenses. Oh, and I still draw my regular pay here while I'm gone? Sure. <laughs> Say, yeah, I'd impersonate the Tsar of Russia for $10 a day. I'll see you later, Chief. A few minutes before playing time, Detective Murphy reappears in the Chief's office. Hi, Chief. Hi, Oh, hello, Joe. I'm afraid you've missed the plane. Oh, no, 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 no. I won't miss my plane. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Well, uh, here's your ticket. Hey, what's the matter with you? You work like you've been working. I have. What? Huh? <laughs> what am I disguised? Are you crazy? No, 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 no. Listen, Steve, I, I got it all worked out. Now listen carefully. I am Thomas Whitney Junior. You see, I'm the drunken celebrity serving there. I, I'm going to finally catch you. Take the bath and try to get over the habit. Uh, that is not a get over both habits. Both habits? Uh, sure. I, I take soap, too. Oh, you take soap, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a bad one, see. I'm such a junkie in it. Oh, sorry. Oh, I could get by with anything I want to pull. Well, it sounds risky to me. Oh, there's nothing risky about it. Now, you just wire the finally catch your dragon. I don't want to be such a whistler. The drunker young me and I can say that. I'll take care of the rest. A few hours later, Joe Murphy staggers into the midst of the exclusive diners at Fine Cactus Ranch. He's hustled off the bed by the worried attendant. Next day, Murphy, still missing a hangover, is visited by Mr. Benton, the manager of the ranch, and Dr. Dean, the house physician. Mr. Murphy. Mr. Murphy, why, I have Towers Whitley, Julia. Sorry, Towers Whitley, Oasia. Let's hope it's Cincinnati, Ohio. Yes. I know all about that, Mr. Murphy. I am Benton, the manager here. Oh, you're the manager. Hi, boys. What would you say, Doctor? I don't have to make an examination to diagnose the teeth as alcoholic intoxication. Pack your things, Mr. Murphy. There's a train leaving for Phoenix in an hour. Why? You are fired. How fire? I requested Chief Moore to send me a detective, and he sent me a drunk. Listen, Mr. Benton, have you ever made an arrest? No, of course not. Have you ever solved a murder case? No. Well, have you ever seen me inside of a jail? Well, of course not. What are you insinuating? Yes, sir. It would be a good thing for you to mind your business and I'll mind mine. Now, I've never managed a hotel. I don't intend to. I don't know the first thing about ice quality, room services, vegetables, and cheeses. But I do know the police business. Now, you just stick to your job and I'll stick to mine. You're impertinent as well as unreliable, Mr. Murphy. The only thing I've done is been for a purpose. What's I using a half page to sign your name on the register last night? Yes, Rusty, I didn't use the whole thing. I was drunk. Oh, you admit it. Of course I admit it. The guests are objecting. They all saw you. Well, that's what I intended they should do. Now let me alone like you get to work there on this thing. You do no work on this thing. You are going back to Phoenix. I'll pay you for your time, and you can get the next train. But 
I can see through the door to the mirror on the dressing table in the bedroom. And it looks like the entire living room. Uh, how clever, Mr. Murphy. Yes. So simple. Why didn't I think of it myself? Yes, because you are a detective. Oh, uh, well, Mr. Potter, you just go and enjoy yourself and forget all about me. Uh, uh, except you to be sure that the door between our suite is open. Oh, you can count on me. Oh, thank you very much, sir. It's very nice. Now, uh, uh, Mr. Bunton. Yes. Uh, at what time have these steps occurred? At night or during the day or when? Watching intently, he's with her. He's 
sees a beautiful young woman clad in an expensive negligee slip into the room, close the door behind her. Quickly, she crosses to the desk, clearly visible to Murphy through his system of mirrors. Like one accustomed to the place, she opens the desk drawer, takes out a wallet, extracts the money it contains, replaces it, crosses to the dressing table, removes a bottle of expensive perfume, takes a half dozen lace handkerchiefs from one of the drawers and glides out of the suite in unruffled use. Magazine chuckling to himself, but sees as the gorgeous and unimpeachable Countess Willis. That night, Murphy breaks his custom and dines with the rest of the guests in the ranch dining room. But he sits at the table to one side and he eats very little, for his eyes are on the Countess Willis, gaily chatting with Dr. James, the house physician. General over, the pair wander down the path leading to the moon drenched desert. Murphy saunters along, just far enough behind them not to be noticed. A slow quarter mile from the ranch house, Murphy senses that he is being followed. Just off the path behind a giant cactus. Coming down the path behind him is a little man in a huge ten-gallon hat, stealthily peering in all directions as he advances, gun drawn, step by slow step. When his shadow is abreast the swath, Murphy suddenly stepped into the path in front of him. Uh, what's the big idea? Are you following me? Why, uh, well, say, uh, you better put that six-shooter away. You might get hurt. Uh, what's it all about? Who are you? I'm the deputy here at the ranch. Oh, you're the deputy, huh? Oh. Yeah, that's right. I heard of you. What, and you're probably out. Well, uh, what are you following me around for? Well, to tell the truth, you're under suspicion. Under suspicion of what? We've been missing things around the ranch, and the boss told me to keep my eyes open for suspicious persons. And you sure look like a suspicious person to me. Hmm. You know, you're wasting your time as a deputy out here. You ought to go to Washington and join the secret service. Well, I'm studying for that. Oh, you're studying for that. It'd be nice when you get your diploma, won't it? Yeah, kind of. Well, uh, what do you do around here when there isn't any deputying to be done? Oh, I wrangle dudes for the boss in the daytime. And uh, following around at uh, night with a drum gun, eh? Oh, not all of them. Only you see you're under suspicion. Uh, well, listen, Sheriff. Uh, as long as you're checking up on suspicious things, uh, take a look down there in the wash and see if that doesn't arouse your suspicions. Huh? Well, let me run for a maverick if it ain't the doctor in the counter. Yeah. Looks to me like he's kissing us. Yeah, that's what they call it where I come from, too. Say, ain't that a pretty sight? Uh, <laughs> I can see you only work lovely detail up here. Uh, you don't seem to be interested in the duties of the vice squad. Uh, come on, I'll walk back to that house with you. All right. I don't think we ought to interrupt the doctor and the countess, do you? No, I don't think the countess will steal anything tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, nothing, nothing. Detective Murphy, usually enjoying his private little joke, next morning instructs Mr. Potter to place some marked money in his billfold and leave it once more in the desk drawer. And to be sure to drop a remark within the countess's hearing that he had forgotten. Shortly past noon, Murphy once more hears the door of the Potter's seat open, looks up, sees the countess in the mirror. She takes the money plant from the wallet in the desk. Helps herself to a dozen pairs of silk stockings and a silver ashtray. As she's about to leave her seat, 
Murphy jumped to his own door, opened it as he was passing. Oh, I, uh, I beg your pardon, did you not? What? Oh, I thought I heard someone in us. Oh, no, you, you must have been mistaken. Oh, sir, sir. I lie down half a day. I beg your pardon. <laughs> your queen can do no wrong, Lindsay, but uh, I guess that doesn't include the counter. Hello, uh, ask Mr. Benson and Dr. Gates to come up with you. I don't think he's been introduced. I'm Detective Murphy of the Phoenix Police Department. 
Oh, an honest to gosh detective. I don't see how that can interest you. Well, it should. This uh, deputy sheriff here is to arrest you on a charge of suspicion of grand theft. This is preposterous. Mr. Benton, Dr. James, I thought the justice family such as Rand could be treated otherwise. Why, I never heard of such a thing. You dare speak to the kind of friend with such impertinence. I can assure you, if the count were here, you would answer to the hot steel of his dueling charge. Ah, come on, Thomas. Lay off the dramatics. Now, here's the situation. If uh, you permit us, we'd like to come in and search your room. If you ain't guilty, then you can sue the ranch for damages. Oh, don't, Mr. Benson. Don't suggest. Oh, don't worry, Benson, old dear. I know what I'm talking about. Now, listen, Countess. If you want to be tough about it and refuse us permission to come in, you'll have to go to Prescott and get a search warrant. In the meantime, you'll be under the guide of this deputy, and uh, he won't allow you to leave the room. Will you turn out? Not if you say so, Captain. Thanks, Major. Now, Countess, Prescott, a good six or eight miles, uh, well, at least uh, eight hours drive across the mountains, and there's snow up there at this time of the year, and uh, I'm in no hurry, so it is probably be uh, two days before I got back with the warrant. And in the meantime, you're a prisoner. Now, how about it? Do uh, you want to let us take a look at you now, or do you want to sit around and bite your lovely nails for a couple of days? We're coming in anyway. And uh, if you're innocent, you've got nothing to worry about. And if you're as guilty as I know you are, you'll get it all over with right now. How do you know anything about my guilt or innocence? You uh, remember when I opened my door and asked if you'd knocked about a half an hour ago? Yes. I was on my way back from a sunlight. You were on your way back from Mr. Potter's where you'd stolen $58 in marked money, a dozen pair of silk stockings, and a silver ice tray. All right, boys. I guess you got me. Come on in. What? 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 Counted. Yeah, counted. You'll find everything I've taken in trunks. I haven't disposed of the things. Didn't intend to, I guess. Just can't help taking things. Well, there's a trick name for that, isn't it, Doc? Yes, Captainania. But Countess, your accent is gone, aren't you? Then you aren't a real Countess? Nope. The kind of Swellick is just plain Lorraine Fraser, Columbus, Ohio. She learned how to act in the drama club at college. Hey, right here, this is stuff that hasn't been reported lately. Look at this door here.
seen a $100 bill before and just wanted to make sure that if it was counterfeit, I wouldn't be stuck with it. Lorraine Frazier, alias the Thomas Taylor, was a clear place of kleptomania. She couldn't resist the impulse to steal. The law would have put her in prison for gang license is a prison offense. But in view of the fact that we recovered everything, she had stolen, aggregating more than $35,000. Upon recommendation to Mr. Benton and Mr. Potter, the girl was released on probation to her parents and returned to Columbus, Ohio. Shortly thereafter, she married, but two years later, during the winter, she died with the flu. Thank you, Sergeant Murphy. Ladies and gentlemen, we especially ask that every listener to tonight's program call upon the nearest Rio Grande class gasoline dealer and ask for a free copy of the Calling All Cars News. The new March issue is double-sized, full of extra movie and crime stories. And it tells all about the true crimes to be broadcast on future radio programs. Of special interest to every boy and girl are the many new free gifts illustrated in the Calling All Cars News. Magic police pictures, a G-gun, a detective microscope, and a complete detective outfit of many items, all given free to users of Rio Grande Crack Gasoline. You will also find at every Rio Grande dealer a stock of Sinclair motor oils in cans. There is something unusual about these oils. They contain no paraffin wax, and all petroleum jelly has been extracted. This means that there is no waste bulk or filler as you get in other oils. It is this useless, jelly-like material which stiffens in cold weather and thins out in hot weather, or at high speed until your motor gets very little lubrication. It costs you no more to get Sinclair canned oils, only 25 cents a quart for opaline and 30 cents a quart for Pennsylvania. And you get only pure, concentrated oil that's guaranteed to lubricate perfectly at highest or lowest operating temperatures. Sinclair motor oils owe their success like Rio Grande Crack Gasoline, to a policy of greater value at the same price. These police calling all cars, sending all cars, cancellation broadcast 119, regarding theft at the Spiney Cactus Ranch. Protective case now in custody. That's all. Good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.